Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You are listening to the Step Back's day-to-day NBA podcast powered by Fansided. Hello and welcome to the Step Backs Day-to-Day NBA Podcast. I am Jason Mann, and with me today is my partner on the Over and Back Classic NBA Podcast, Rich Krejci. Rich, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me. So we are going to delve a little bit into history. This could almost be an over and back uh, episode, but uh, something interesting happened the other day. There was a game with four overtimes. The uh, Knicks and the uh, Hawks played a classic. It's pretty hard to not have a classic if you're playing four more overtimes, although there might be a couple of exceptions here that we talk about. But I felt like diving into some of the past ones just to kind of give an overview of how rare and special that is in NBA history. Yeah, no, and and I think your point about it always being kind of special and always being a great game because it's it, it's impossible not to. I mean, there's been you know <laughs> multiple times where the, you know obviously the the score has been close and it's been close again and then it's gone. To, you know, so there's no way to make it an unexciting unless like you know pre shot shot clock era, which we'll, we'll talk about here in a little bit, where you know people don't score and they just kind of hold the ball. That is not exciting, but pretty much in the shot clock era, any time it's four overtimes or five overtimes or whatever, it's going to be exciting. Pretty much any overtime game I consider pretty exciting as well. I mean, just because you know your every possession kind of matters for a, a, a set amount of time, and that's always that's always fun in basketball because sometimes it can kind of get away from you in a game. So. Yeah, and there, there were definitely times, uh, I, I don't know if you watched uh, how much of it or if you got a chance to watch it, but there were definitely times in the Hawks-Knicks uh, game where it, it got pretty ugly, but just they kind of stuck with it, and it was thrilling through the end. There was even a brief um, outpouring of scoring uh, toward the end. It was a very, uh, even though there was some bad basketball being played or some sloppy basketball being played in there, it was just uh, exciting to see that environment just naturally. Yeah, basketball. O- often the games often the games don't aren't necessarily the best basketball you've ever seen in your life but they're often like they get fun bad after a while because everyone's tired and everyone's like missing close shots and they're just oddities happening and you got guys you know playing 60 minutes at a time so yeah uh, it's never the probably the best games quote-unquote but it's always I, I would consider them always very entertaining and exciting games right yeah i mean even even bad basketball is generally um at least in the pro <laughs> levels is is still you know it's still fun so Unless it's the Brooklyn Nets, that's not very fun. Well, you know, depending on the situation, for sure. <laughs> uh, 
so the only game that has gone to six overtimes is the Indianapolis Olympians against the Rochester Royals from January 6, 1951. This is, of course, pre-shot clock. Uh, the Olympians played seven players. The Royals played eight players. So probably some tired guys in there. We don't know the exact minute totals uh, in the box score. But um, although we do know that uh, Red Holzman, the future Knicks coach, uh, played 76 of the game, 78 minutes, and scored three <laughs> points. That's that's hard. <laughs> that's yes. impressive. That yes. So not, there yeah. there were two of the six overtimes were scoreless. The highest point total in any of the overtimes was four, which uh, both teams had four points in the fifth overtime. So obviously seventy five, seventy three game six overtimes. Not a lot of points being scored, as you <laughs> mentioned. Lots of. Um, you know, lots of holding the ball and stalling. That was a, a kind of a key uh, tactic pre-shot clock, which is one of the reasons why they instituted <laughs> the shot clock. And, and, and Holzman later said that this was one of the games that he felt like were, you know, pretty important. As long, along with that infamous uh, 1918 uh, Lakers Pistons game um, that we've talked about on over and back before, that you know eventually led the NBA to like, okay, we need to do something about this, and eventually bring in the shot clock. Yeah, not the most exciting game. And you look at the stat lines as well, and you look at the scoring output. I mean, all you have to really look at is that final score of 75 to 73, six overtime, to realize that's probably not a very entertaining game at all. But uh, yeah, a lot of really cool names um, in here. A lot of like kind of legendary uh, NBA figures in here. You got Alex Graza is in there. Arnie Risen's in there, as you mentioned. Uh, Red Holzman. So a lot of really cool kind of like historic figures that would that would play a huge role in in, in the evolution of the NBA yeah. uh, in this game. So yeah, Bobby Wanzer, who uh, was for the Royals, who you know was a key part. The, the Royals actually won the championship this season, the 51 season. They, they broke up the um, Lakers uh, dynasty, the George Mikan dynasty. It was the only year that the Royals uh, won during, or any other team won during that period. Uh, uh, Mikan was hurt uh, during their playoff series in which the Royals beat them. But um, so it's obviously they're a good team. The um, Olympians were a, a pretty unique team in Indianapolis. They were actually owned by five former University of Kentucky basketball players. Four of them, uh, including Graz and Ralph Beard, had played in the 48 Olympics, which led to the name Olympians. And uh, eventually, Graz and Beard got involved, were, were linked to a point-shaving scandal at Kentucky, and they were uh, banned um, from the NBA uh, for life. And, and this was during a time there were a whole lot of college scandals in uh, involving point shaving and gambling the nba was relatively unaffected uh by that i think mostly because the nba was no one cared about the nba at that point so there was no reputation to uh, be <laughs> search um but the, the olympians survived for two years after the scandal then folded and, and um there, there's some thought that the olympians were particularly targeted because you know there was a they were owned by the players rather than having you know, an actual owner and the other owners didn't particularly care for that uh, situation but yeah beard and yeah. graza were great particularly graza was you know was a really like what you know if he had been able to play might have been it certainly would have been one of the great players of his era might have been like a top 50 candidate he had that level of uh talent going on absolutely and the next uh so we, there are two five overtime games in nba history the first from uh November 24th, 1949, the Syracuse Nationals beating the Anderson Packers, 120, 125 to 123. Anderson was in Indiana City, uh, by the way. This is Anderson's only season in the NBA. They had come over from the NBL. For those who don't know, there were um, 
two leagues that merged together beginning in this season, the NBL and the BAA, to form the NBA. The NBL had actually been the better league when they started the older league, um, and then eventually uh, the larger markets of the BAA you know, and took some, taking some talent, some teams over there, uh, led to the uh, merger. But um, Anderson had previously won the championship in the NBL. Uh, Duff Shays had come over with the Nationals. This was his first year in the NBA, and um, he had uh, he had 18 points. The leading scorer actually in the game was uh, Johnny Macnowski, who uh, had 21 points for the <laughs> Nationals. Uh, he was Russian. I, I looked him up, and there were two things that are possible, and I, I couldn't confirm either one. There was an article that I was not able to read but saw a headline for it that he may have actually changed his name during the 50s, um, presumably you know, during the Red Scare era because it was Russian to a more um, you know American-friendly name. And he also may have written a book about basketball and the future of basketball during that time. I, I could only find a link to that, but I'll have to do some more. Yeah, uh, hopefully jo- maybe maybe a listener will be able to uh, clue you in on something. That's really cool. Yeah, that's good. Uh, that'd be good information if we get a hold Johnny of Johnny Mack uh, research and uh, yeah, see exactly. if I can yeah. figure out. <laughs> right. But the, the Nationals were had uh, lost in the finals to the Lakers. Just, they were a, a, a very good team uh, during uh, this time. And... Um, the uh, so this is a even though of course it's pre shot clock one twenty five one twenty three is a more reasonable score I think in a five overtime game. Yeah, absolutely, and um, yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty fundamentally similar game to kind of what we get these days. I mean, the, the score, you know, obviously a little probably would be a little bit higher these days, you know, with a five overtime game. But yeah, one twenty five, one twenty three, that, that that seems pretty reasonable. It's definitely not like the you know the six overtime one that we just talked about. Um, I'm always fascinated too by early you know NBA history and NBL, like the the towns that have. NBA teams and professional basketball teams like Anderson, Indiana, you know, playing at the Anderson High School Gymnasium. It's just such a, a far cry. It's just amazing to know that that league evolved, you know, to what we have today. It's just, it's it's unbelievable knowing the towns that some of these teams played in and, and, and the arenas they played in and whatnot. It's just crazy to think about. Yeah, and, and that first year in the uh, and in the new NBA, there were, I, I think, 16 teams um, that ended up being part of that uh, merger. And then eventually, over the next few years, a bunch of those teams folded and by 53 54 they were down to eight teams you know the uh i guess original eight uh so to speak that you know lasted in the league till the decade until expansion began you know in the early 60s and then you know full force yep. by the late 60s so i, I it's it was it was a pretty big mess there for a few years in terms of just crazy teams having cities and a lot of uh instability and uh and so forth as, as we yeah. mentioned previously the nba did not have much of a reputation at, <laughs> no. at, at the time so there's a reason they were in Anderson, Indiana, playing at a high school gym. <laughs> Nobody yes. cared. So. Indeed. So next, the uh, more recently, the other five overtime game in NBA history uh, is from November 9th, 1989. The uh, Milwaukee Bucks against the uh, Seattle Supersonics. And uh, the Bucks won 155-154. That is a, uh, uh, that's quite the highest scoring game. Of course, you get that many overtimes. And not a surprise. Uh, leading the way there was uh, Dale Ellis with 53 points in 69 minutes, including 20 <laughs> points in the uh, five overtimes. Um, Xavier McDaniel had 37 points. Derek McKee had 24 points for the Sonics. Ricky Pierce off the bench for the Bucks at 36 points. Of course, he would be he would be a Sonic not too much later after this. And Albert Robertson 28. Jack Sigma had 23 for the Bucks. Of course, the former Sonics legend. So uh, definitely some exchanging of uh, uh, of players here who had been previously or would in the future be on the other team. Yeah, yeah, it's funny, and and actually, you know, strangely enough, Jack Sikma, who who you mentioned, obviously the Supersonics legend, uh, he was nine uh, nine for nine for the first uh, three games of the season. This was the uh, fifth game of the season, I believe, um, for the 
the Bucks, and he, he was nine for nine from the free throw line. Pretty good, you know. Hey, I got this. He missed the first free throw with five seconds left in the third overtime, and that would have given the Bucks a three point lead. Uh, and then Dale Ellis tied it with a jumper with two seconds left to force the fifth, uh, the, uh, the fourth overtime rather. So, uh, just an interesting story there where Jack Stickman, you know, I, I'm th- I'm guessing that he tanked on purpose. Jack Stickman let you know let the Supersonics win, but it, it, sure. it, it failed because sure. sure his his Bucks unfortunately still won. So yeah, maybe, maybe the maybe the perm <laughs> maybe the perm on his head was just a little bit too heavy, and <laughs> right, he was exactly. unable to you know just get that last one in. You know, that's uh, I, I don't think we're allowed to do a, a Jack Stickman reference without mentioning the perm. I, I believe that's a over- uh, no, it is in the bylaws. Yeah, it is yeah. in the the Jack Stickman bylaws that you must uh, you must <laughs> refer to the perm. So there we go, we got that. We're out of the way. You can scratch it off. We're good to go. Executive order from a. Uh, our, our lovely president, I believe, was that anytime you mentioned Jack Sickman, you got to talk about the perm. So, uh, absolutely, yes. So, the six players fouled out uh, in the game, and um, and, and yes, it was. Uh, it seems like quite the uh, thrilling one. I, we we unfortunately don't have a video over there. There, there was a good uh, Vice Sports um, article written about it in the uh, within the last year or so. That's a good um, resource to uh, check out for anyone who is more interested in that game. Yeah, and I, I believe Dale Ellis. I, unfortunately, basketball reference only goes to, to 83, 84 for this, but uh, his sixty nine minutes appears to be the highest of all time by any player. Uh, it's hard to tell before that because obviously box scores are a little tricky. But uh, a few articles mention that that is the highest minute total of any game ever. Yeah. Um, even even you know historical statisticians said the same thing as well. And uh, not to be outdone though, um, Xavier McDaniel had sixty eight, and he uh, is the second most. So yes. <laughs> those guys did not get a whole lot of time off in this game. But that that is a remarkable just the idea of playing an NBA game for you know nearly 70 minutes it's just unbelievable yes the um the six overtime game apparently holes been played 76 games is 76 oh, right, right, in, right, in yeah. that game now i you know i i'm not 100 sure of that obviously but um and that may not you know obviously some of the uh the records may not go back that far but i it would it would stand a reason that's a possibility but either way that is a that's a lot of minutes but he had to move because they were holding the ball. Yeah. So he, he and, cheated. And in fairness, so. Dell scored fifty more points than uh, Holzman <laughs> right. did. So, I, exactly. we'll, so we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. A slim fifty-point margin for Dale Ellis there. Yes. So. And Sean Kemp was on the Sonics during this time, but did not play in the game. He was only five games into his career, and he was, you know, um, he was basically out of high school. I mean, he was like a year out, and I think he had. Did he actually play in junior college? Or he did played. He... Uh, he played. Well, no, I don't. I think he. Uh, we had this discussion before. I think he enrolled in junior college, but I don't know that he ever played. He played, played yeah, yeah, because yeah. there was the Kentucky thing and all that issue going on. So I think he just never played. So right. he was in a community college or a junior college rather, but never, never did play. Gotcha. Well, there you go. I think I, I don't quote me, but I'm, uh, well, I'm pretty well, sure we've yeah. had this exact discussion, and I think that's what we <laughs> we came to the conclusion of. But fair enough. We've had a lot of discussions, which I can't remember uh, the details of uh, all of them. Unfortunately, <laughs> Talk to you too much. But too damn much. Yes. <laughs> Um, so now on to the four overtime games. The uh, the very first one in um, in NBA history is a uh, was actually a playoff game. It was the uh, Boston Celtics against the Syracuse Nationals, Game Two of the Eastern Division Final, March twenty first, nineteen fifty three. Boston actually won the series uh, two games to zero. It was the franchise's first ever playoff series win. It, they dated back to uh, the forty six <laughs> season, so it was like seven eight years yeah. into their uh, run. Of course, they would win a few that's playoff be it. Yeah. yeah, that's gonna be it for them because. Right. <laughs> Peaked real early and then just never, never really were a force ever again. Unfortunately, poor Boston. So yes, so uh, so Boston did uh, end up winning this one eleven to uh, one oh five. Boston sports too. They just can't you know get a break at anything. Football, basketball. They just yeah. you know it just no has success coming there. Yeah. Baseball. Jeez, yeah. I mean, they, uh, the last time they won a World Series was nineteen hundred or something like that. I mean, something like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
So uh, Bob Cousy had 50 points in this game, uh, 30 of 32 from the free throw line, which I, I believe is still a playoff record. Uh, Jordan <laughs> came close to, but but has not uh, has not broken that. that. That was I believe tied for a long time with the actual record as well. I believe Wilt was 28 of 32 in that 100 point game that was recently broken. You know, a couple two three years ago by Dwight Howard uh, in in one of those insane you know hack it white situations, <laughs> right. but in the, in the most pathetic manner possible. Right, unfortunately, yes, but. exactly. Yes. Um, so even though you know that was a, a relatively high uh, scoring game, it was dominated by fouls, especially in overtime. Each team was afraid to let the other gain a significant lead. I mean, the, the idea was it was kind of like a hack of you know type situation where if you foul, at least you're not going to get like a uh, you know major um, lead going on and obviously stalling and that kind of stuff. But um, the tactic by the Celtics was basically just hey keep the ball in Kuzi's hands because he was such a great ball handler for his time. And, uh, and and you know he would make make the free throws obviously and and obviously uh, did that so fifty points uh, during the uh, game I, I believe that set a playoff record at the time can't don't quote me on that for absolute sure but I believe that was a playoff record um, the first fifty point uh, playoff game in uh, in NBA history so next is uh, and I I couldn't find a whole lot about this one but it was a uh, a Portland Trail Blazers one thirty one. Cleveland Cavaliers 129 game from October 18th, 1974. Yeah, Portland's going to be, remember that name because they're going to come up a lot, like shockingly a lot of times, uh, the Portland Trailblazers. You'll see that coming up a little bit. Yeah, I was, I was having trouble finding a whole lot about this game too, but uh, of course that is why on the over and back we did an entire uh, series over the summer about the 70s because that is like the big old like shrug of, of NBA history. Nobody really does much about it. And it's just kind of the, the black sheep of, of NBA lore. But uh, yeah, it, it was really hard to find information for this one. Or a lot of games in the seventies, unfortunately. Yeah, I, the uh, the scoring the leaders were um, Austin Carr with thirty four, uh, Dick Snyder with twenty five, Bingo Smith with twenty, and Jim Jones with eighteen. Jim Jones will come up again in a little bit. The Blazers, John Johnson and Signe Wicks, both at 29. Jeff Petrie, 24. Bill Walton uh, had uh, 18. I believe this was Walton's rookie season. And uh, Lenny Wilkins, the uh, former Cavalier, um, had uh, 15 points in this game. This was his first and only season as um, as a player with the Blazers. I believe it was player coach. And this was actually the first game of the season, um, uh, interestingly enough. So, <laughs> yeah, that's, imagine playing I, four. Yeah, imagine playing four overtime. Uh, just game start your season. year. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh no! Like they, they were probably sore the rest of the year now because you, you know, it, especially you know, um, even in those days too, it's much you know easier to travel these days. I mean, it's it's a little bit harder too because the schedule's a little bit more rugged and the games are a little bit more rugged. But uh, yeah, I, 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 not a good way to start your season for your your guys and their health. I'm sure. So yeah. But, so uh, yeah, this was actually Bill Walton's first professional game. Oh wow! Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah eighteen. So, yeah, and uh, and then yeah, this was Wilkins. <laughs> like, was... You know what? Uh, my feet are already hurt. I'm kind of done. Like, <laughs> yeah, maybe like, I think is... we can blame. I think we can safely blame this game on all of Bill Walton's injury history. Probably. Right? Yeah, I think we I'm, can do that. Let's do I think that. It's I'm going to do that. Uh, yeah, that's okay. safe. Yeah, that's that's the decree. We're our executive order of this show is that this caused Bill Walton's history of injury. So there we okay. go. Done. Fair enough. Next, uh, the, <laughs> the, the our only ABA entry. The San Diego Conquistadors, uh, 176 over the New York Nets, 166. <laughs> On Valentine's Day, 1975, uh, Julius Irving had his career high of 63 points. Uh, Brian Taylor for the Nets, also 26. The um, 
the Conquistadors, or the Qs as, as they, were, they were called, uh, the leaders were Bo Lamar with 45, Travis Machine Gun Grant with 30, Warren Jabali also had 22. We talked a lot about Warren Jabali in our 70s uh, series as well. We talked a bit about the Qs, and they had some kind of crazy stuff going on, which we won't get into here. But if you uh, are more interested in the Qs, and why wouldn't you be, you should definitely go back to our Over and Back 70s series and uh, check them out. I think the some crazy ownership stories uh, there, as long as 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 well as what Chamberlain um, uh, spending a year as the San Diego coach, although he was not the coach at this point. Right, yeah, he was supposed to be the player, too. He was supposed to be a player coach, and they told him, no, you can't yeah. do that the NBA. So that there was a lawsuit, yes. So. Yeah, very fun here. But, yeah, I love the quote uh, from uh, Julius Serving after this game. Uh, he says, I've never been in a game like this before. I hope I'm never in one like this again. Unless we win, it's disheartening to lose. So, like... Yeah. I love I love the wave of emotion there. Like I don't want to do this game ever again unless we win, That's but we win, didn't. Yes. <laughs> but we didn't, so it sucked. He, yeah, <laughs> he uh, he had twenty three rebounds in the game as well, and it was three hours and ten minutes to uh, play. So that's which actually I guess is not really terrible for four overtimes. But no, we're going to talk about the the most recent game. I think went four or whatever. The one uh, last week was like four hours or something like that. So oh, yeah. I, I don't know if it was four, but it was definitely long. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it 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 felt like a long time. Uh, it was exciting, but yes, felt like a long time. So. Uh, so next, from uh, January 29th, 1980, the Cleveland Cavaliers, 154 over the Los Angeles Lakers, 153. The Lakers would go on to win the championship uh, this year. Um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, 42 points. Magic Johnson with 30. Jamal Wilkes, 23 for the Cavaliers. Mike Mitchell, 34. Dave Robish, 32. And Randy Smith with uh, 31. Um, the uh, Actually, the... Lakers looked like they were going to win. They had, they were up by five with a minute 47 left in the fourth quarter, but the Cavs uh, scored six unanswered points. And Jim Jones, who had played in the uh, the, the the previous NBA um, Cavs versus Trailblazers overtime game for the Cavs, he had just gone over to the Lakers, badly wanted to beat his former teammates, and then he committed a foul with two seconds left on Mike Mitchell, who made both free throws to secure the win. So <laughs> not good luck for Jim Jones. No, no, not at all. Yeah. Uh, Stan Albeck's uh, quote uh, said, "That's the best basketball game I've ever been involved with from an entertainment standpoint." So, and he had been a former Lakers assistant as well. He said, "I'm spent. I'm just hollow eyed." <laughs> and uh, Clyde Frazier was on the Cavs that season, but only played 27 minutes that season. Did not play in the game. So, what, it would have been cool. We did not get I mean, this game was would not be available in video anyway. But it, at least it would have been cool to imagine what uh, Magic versus Clyde would have uh, been like. But unfortunately, that did not happen. There also was uh, a chance at Magic versus Pistol Pete uh, during the season, but the uh, the Jazz, who were mad at Maravich, held him out of the uh, game and ended up trading him shortly after. So some classic theoretical matchups did not happen because yeah, of uh, darn. Yeah, <laughs> uh, those guys being at the end of their careers. I, mean, I guess they couldn't really, at least in this situation, uh, Clyde, not enthusiastic about Cleveland anyway and was uh, not uh, you know healthy enough to be playing in this game, I, I, I presume. Yeah, absolutely. No, Magic, Magic Pistol Pete would have been a great little matchup to see, but uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Darn. Well, Oh, well. Oh, well. Uh, So next we have the Atlanta Hawks against the Seattle Supersonics. The Hawks winning 127-122. The Hawks are going to be involved in quite a few of these as uh, well coming up. Uh, February 19th, 1982, uh, Fast Eddie Johnson had 34 and John Drew had 31 for the uh, Hawks. Um, And uh, and, and Eddie Johnson actually was involved in the – he he scored seven straight in the final overtime to to, to lead his team to finally victory. He he played 61 of the 68 minutes. Uh, For the Sonics, Gus Williams at 24, Fred Brown at 22, Jack Sigma had 22, who was also in that five-overtime game for the Bucs. And uh, Kevin Lockery said um, that – 
I have been involved in pro basketball for 20 years as a player and coach, and I can't remember anything like it. Funny thing, Kevin Lockery was in was the coach of the four overtime game for the Nets against the Accused. Right? Well, you're crapping, Kevin. You have <laughs> so he maybe just doesn't have the best memory because he no, probably not. It was something that was kind of like it. Yeah, right. It was. <laughs> he was on the winning end this time, so maybe that is why. Maybe yeah, I've never been in a, in a multiple overtime game where I won. Uh, is is what he meant to say? There. Right. Exactly. I had a loss for words there, but yes. uh, yeah, that's yes. uh, oh, Kevin. But I guess I guess it's good that our basketball coaches have short memories because if they have long memories, they'd all be dead when they're like four because they stress out too much so probably yes so uh, the uh, the next one is from 1984 the chicago bulls 156 portland Trailblazers 155 march 16th 1984 um this is this is the year before the jordan comes to the bulls so they uh they led by the esteemed quentin daly and uh, dave greenwood lots of uh lots of fun times there oh yeah yeah that's uh yeah it's a team we, we talked uh in our um Christmas episode, Christmas special that we did this year a lot about not you know not this team specifically. We talked about the one eighty uh, seven, I, I believe, eighty six or eighty six rather. Yeah, when Jordan was yeah. in here, but a lot of the guys still kind of hang around. So we talk a little bit about the history of the Bulls uh, throughout this mid eighties, and it is a, a checkered past or checkered uh, history for many of these guys. But it's a very wild team at that point. But uh, yeah, Quentin Daly, Dave Greenwood, a little Dave Corzine action in here too. But uh, yeah, it's kind of funny. Um, w- one thing that I thought was really interesting about this game. Um, uh, for Portland, uh, they got 41 points from Jim Paxson, which is incredible uh, yeah. just to even think about uh, happening. Uh, 24 from Wayne Cooper off the bench. Uh, I thought this was very fascinating, though. Uh, Wallace Bryant, a Bulls player, played just one minute. Can you imagine playing one minute in a four-overtime game? Like, like, don't even put me in. Like, what? <laughs> don't just don't even bother. Like, at that point, like, why am I playing a minute? Like, that's I just found that hilarious because I, I couldn't find any other instance of a guy having less minutes played in a four-overtime game than old Wallace Bryant. So there old you go. Wallace, Wallace, Wallace Bryant, yeah. yeah. Jim Paxson was actually, like, a like a second-team All-NBA player, like, one year. Like, he was actually, for a brief time, was, you know, like, at that level, um, which is interesting. You know, he, uh, not a guy you would necessarily think of uh, being on that level uh yet he uh, yet he was two-time all-star as well he might have been he might have had two all um two-time all nba I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly but uh that, that's when i was kind of looking up um you know, different guys who um had been uh, at that level he was one of the list of guys that uh you know was quite surprising yeah actually yeah i'm looking at it right now um 83 84 he was all nba but that yeah. was the only one but yeah he had two straight all-star time, games yeah. and and yeah average 20 points a game in consecutive years as well so yeah go go jim paxton yeah a little better than you uh than you might think yeah exactly yeah that's cool okay I, I apologize for my Jim Paxson slander. How earlier, so. could you dare disparage Jim Paxson? Because <laughs> no. I think John Paxson is the more famous Paxson, uh, you know, modern, obviously because of his accomplishment with the Bulls. But, but yes, Jim has uh, Jim probably had the uh, the better individual playing career at least. Yeah, absolutely. So next we have the Golden State Warriors 150, New Jersey Nets 147, uh, February first, nineteen eighty-seven. This is uh, this is quite a uh, an interesting one with a uh, with a king uh, having a great night, but not the king you might think of. Yeah, Albert King, Bernard's brother. He had forty two minutes off the bench, uh, nineteen points and eight rebounds. Old Albert King. What, what is your favorite Albert King memory? Ooh, I'm gonna have to think. About only that. one, and you only get one. I would say Albert King probably is scoring 19 points and 18, 8 rebounds <laughs> wow. in this game. Yeah. And logging 42 minutes off the bench in a four-overtime game. That's a good one. That was mine as well. That's so crazy how we do that. But uh, yeah. other uh, interesting stuff, uh, Joe Barry Carroll, he uh, cared on this night because he scored a game-high 43 points. So, Yes. 
I, Chris Mullen was there too. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, I, I think is... George Carl was the coach of um, during this time, of course. Yes, he was. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah, George Carl, of course. Uh, um, both recently read his book, and I was able to do the interview with him on um, Over and Back. So, uh, so, so fun times there. Yeah, and he talks about this uh, this team because it is an emerging team. It's like you know things are coming together. Chris Mullins here, some guys are, and it's like all right, cool, we got something going here. And then the next year they completely tanked and fired him midway through the season. So yeah, uh, yeah. But hey, at this year they you know they they made the playoffs and you know they upset Utah in the first round and then they bowed yeah. out uh, to the Lakers. So it looked like they had something built. And then I think they went like twenty four and forty or something like that. And Carl was gone, but they got some stability under Don Nelson a little bit after that. And then you know yeah. things went, went right. through. Yeah, Run and then they had a really horrible stuff. fifteen yeah. years. But now everything's well, good. So yeah, that's yeah. Right. There, there you go. Yeah, up and down for the. Uh, Warriors, yeah, um, yeah. Chris Mullen at twenty five in uh, this game. E- e- each of the uh, Warrior starters was in double figures, um, and uh, this was yeah, this was not a good Nets team, a, a better team for the Lakers. I, I believe the uh, this was the first time since the fifties where um, a, a team overcame a two zero lead in a playoff series when the uh, when the Warriors beat the Jazz in that series that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. So. And other uh, other interesting facts, real quick. Uh, no Nets scored over thirty points. Uh, Pro Washington had the uh, team high uh, twenty nine. And Buck Williams, he played sixty minutes, but scored only eighteen. But he made up for it by twenty seven rebounds. So yeah. not bad, not bad. And our, our, our buddy Orlando Woolridge, he had a triple double: twenty four points, ten assists, eleven rebounds. So yeah, probably. Uh, I wonder how many turnovers. Only five turnovers. That's not bad. That might be a career no. low for Orlando. So all, that's all, not bad. All things, so. Yeah, all things considered. Right. You know. So. Um, so the next game from 1997, 10 years uh, in the future, the uh, Phoenix Suns 140, the Portland Trail Blazers uh, 139 from November 14th, 1997. Uh, Jason Kidd, 56 minutes, uh, 6 points, but 16 assists and, and 7 rebounds. That's almost it's not even quite the Jason Kidd uh, uh, triple-double special because he didn't get up there. But um, but but that's a, that's a fun game. I feel like he should line. have more. I feel like in a, in a game where they score 140, he should have more points, right? Like That's, that's like really low scoring by even Jason Kidd standards. So, I, yes. I, yeah. That's, that's fascinating. Well, there were there were six um, uh, six sons with uh, in double figures in that game, so I'm sure he you know, contributed to uh, being there. I, I have not watched much of the this. Uh, I, I wonder how good and interesting the Jason Kidd Kevin Johnson backcourt was because that's sort of a interesting one for his time. Steve Nash also coming off the bench in this game and having 11 points. I mean, <laughs> Jason Kidd Kevin Johnson and Steve Nash were all on the same team together. That, <laughs> right. That's obviously you know, Steve Nash was nothing yet, but that's just kind of wild how that. Uh, turned out and, I, and Kevin Johnson was, was getting close to the end of his career I think he was dealing with uh either dealing with injuries or soon to be dealing with injuries although he played 50 minutes in this game so yeah and uh, other uh interesting names Rex Chapman of course the Suns 28 points uh Danny Manning led the Suns in scoring with 35 uh but he did that all off the bench which was interesting uh Portland uh Brian Grant yes that Brian Grant uh, led them in in minutes with 61 in points with 34 and in rebounds with 17 Isaiah Ryder uh he had 59 minutes 35 points 11 rebounds as well and this would be the uh uh the first four overtime game ever for Phoenix and the third for the Blazers so yes. they keep coming off <laughs> Yes. Sabonis uh, had 31 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists in uh, 50 minutes. So good times for him. And uh, then then we go all the way to uh, 2012, the Atlanta Hawks again um, against the uh, Utah Jazz, 139-133, the Hawks winning. Um, 
and um, four jazz, including uh, Paul Millsap, had over 50 minutes uh, played. Of course, this was before Millsap played with the Hawks. Uh, meanwhile, the Hawks had uh, three players 50 minutes played, including uh, Joe Johnson with uh, 37 points in the uh, game. Marvin Williams played 47, three minutes, excuse me, 43 minutes off the game. And Josh Smith had a Josh Smith um, <laughs> nine for 26 from the uh, field. Good old, I, uh, I couldn't find out where the shots came from, but I imagine they all came from at least 17 feet plus. So that's <laughs> that, that, that sounds uh, that sounds familiar. Yes, despite he, being wide open, he still pulled up from 17 feet, most likely. So, <laughs> uh, Josh Smith, if only. Oh uh, man, I remember that there was a. I think it was a playoff series against the Bulls, and I remember like it might have been the last year of Josh Smith in Atlanta or, or whatever. But like he pulled up from three, and you could just hear I, there was like multiple times in this game where the crowd just groaned, like no, oh, don't. Yeah, yeah. it's like no, it just clank, and he's like, ah, oh, darn. Like I just, I've never heard a fan base be like, no, please don't. Like you're so much better. Why are you doing this? Who told you to do this? Like it's, yes, Kirk Heinrich, Smith. Kirk Heinrich played 30, 43 minutes in this game. Josh Smith actually only played uh, thirty minutes. He, he fouled out during the game. So he must have been a foul trouble. So. shots in 30 minutes. That's, yeah. <laughs> I, love, <laughs> oh I love it. He's going to get his. Hey. Yeah. I'll be 30 minutes in the game. I'm going to do all I can. I get a bunch of fouls, too. It's, it's, I love Josh Smith. I miss him. Yes. Yes. So they combined for just four points during the first overtime, which is the second lowest in NBA history. We already talked about the uh, the zero points in uh, in those overtimes in that uh, six-overtime game. Um, I, yeah, this was, during the, uh, this was during the lockout year, too. This is right toward the end of that um, end of that season, obviously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, the um, yeah, I don't know if there's anything else that's really that interesting about uh, about this one. Uh, Gordon Hayward played 57 minutes in the uh, game and um, and uh, only 19 points. But uh, as, as we mentioned, Jefferson Al Jefferson 28 points. Um, so pr- pretty good, uh, a pretty good game for uh, for him. Zaza Pachulia yeah. at 50, 50 more. Fifty-four minutes, fifteen points, twenty rebounds. That's a nice stat line. Yeah, I think the the, the most interesting part about this game probably is the Jazz were down big after uh, two quarters. They were down fifty-five, thirty-eight, uh, and then scored thirty-four uh, in the third to get back in the game and, and, and force the forward time. But yeah, it looked like a sleeper at, after you know t- at halftime, fifty-five, thirty-eight, and ends right. up uh, hopefully didn't leave or, or go to you know beat traffic because you missed a hell of a game. So yes, uh, the. Um one of the first games that I ever uh, went to uh, in the late two or like oh six maybe it was a Jazz um, Hawks game where the Hawks were up uh, nineteen in the uh, fourth quarter and then ended up blowing the lead and losing the uh, <laughs> the game and I, I went to at least nine Hawks and you games stayed before. a Hawks fan for some reason <laughs> I, yeah I, I, I went to at least nine Hawks games before they actually won one in person for me <laughs> it, it was right before I moved away from Atlanta so good times. So thankfully you left, and now they, they had some success afterwards. But uh, it, yeah, pretty was... much, yeah, exactly. So, um, so then uh, then also from uh, from 2015, uh, the uh, Pistons 147, the Bulls 144. This is uh, December 18, 2015, and uh, Andre Drummond with 33 points, uh, 21 rebounds. Uh, Jimmy Butler had uh, 43 points. Derek Rose back when he played for the uh, Bulls, 34 points, and uh, Paul Gasol 30 points, 15 rebounds. So a, uh, a Obviously, uh, you're going to play a long time. You're going to get those uh, stout, uh, stat lines. I thought this one was interesting. Uh, Tony Snell, who started for the Bulls, he played 38 minutes, scored only three points, but was a plus nine. So, plays for solid defense in this four-of-attack game, I guess. So, that's, uh, I thought that was just interesting. Uh, 38 minutes, only three points. But, hey, that's yeah. not too bad. But. Uh, <laughs> What I was going to say, what's really interesting is that in the third overtime, both teams scored four points. In the fourth overtime, the Pistons scored 20 points and the Bulls scored 17 points. 
but the defense definitely, I think, got a little fatigued like, there. All right, I work on Like we got to go yeah. home. And, it, and the Bulls, uh, you know, funny enough, they had to board a, a flight. They had a Saturday night game in New York. After that, this is a Friday night game, so they had to be in New York on Saturday night. At that point, uh, not surprisingly, they got to New York and they got trounced. They lost one hundred seven to ninety one. So they yeah. were uh, definitely tired. Hard to blame them for uh, that one. And of course, the uh, the most recent game, uh, the uh, the Hawks. Beating the uh, the Knicks uh, 142 to uh, 139. And uh, Paul Millsap, 60 minutes, 37 points, 19 rebounds, 7 assists, and uh, played 35 uh, straight minutes. That's <laughs> great, yeah. Uh, the interesting parts about this game, of course, uh, Carmelo Anthony forcing two overtimes by himself. Uh, I like this, too. The Knicks shot 51 threes. They only made 18, though, so <laughs> maybe not the best strategy. Yeah, well, uh, 35%. World- That's actually not that bad. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I suppose when it's just that high of a number, it, it gets pretty insane. But, uh, yeah, Carmelo led the Knicks with 45. Uh, he was the only Nick over 20 points, which is an interesting uh, kind of spread uh, of point totals. Uh, this, I think we can blame this guy entirely for this game going to four overtimes. Kylo Quinn, he had 12 rebounds, not bad, but he was one of nine from the floor. So, come on, Kyle. Like, yeah. I'm trying to imagine Kylo Quinn even taking nine shots in a game and why like, that even happened. But yeah. um, And then, on your end, your Atlanta Hawks, I'm going to say the man who... who who caused this game to be four overtime, who caused, you know, the, the Hawk fans to just love and adore him, the newly acquired Mike Dunleavy. He played 22 minutes off the bench and was plus 21. Yeah. Plus I, 21 I, for old Mike Dunleavy. Didn't want to play. They got him. You know, convinced them. Boonholzer said, hey, come on. He, 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 he barely – he didn't play down the stretch because I, I, I started watching the game sometime in the fourth quarter and watched all the overtimes. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I didn't get to see uh, – Dun, I didn't get – Dunleavy's <laughs> one of my least favorite players. So I, I'm I'm a little bit, you know, um, not, not thrilled about uh, seeing him on the Hawks. But, you know, regardless. Um, yeah, Dennis Schroeder also – he twice missed free throws that would have um, put, the, put the Hawks up by four with like ten seconds or less to a play. And then in two instances – the Hawks or the uh, Knicks made three pointers to uh, tie it at the uh, end of quarter or and or overtime. So what I loved about this game more, most than any, more than anything is is that how close it almost came to being five overtime because Courtney Lee was correct. Yeah. He oh, took the three. Yeah, right. I mean, it yeah. rims out. It's just like it's re- it's super super close of him bringing that game to a fifth overtime. I, I, man, I, I I remember watching that just being like, oh god, I wish like because when it gets to that point, you just want this game to go on forever. Like you, you do never want it to end because you want to be you know you're sitting down, you're watching it, you want to see it go on forever and ever and ever. So that was. Uh, uh, well, disheartening that that rolled out, but uh, I would have done well with a five overtime game. But I, I think the players are probably happy it, it was only four. So, yeah, I, I would imagine so. Absolutely. So, all right, everyone. Well, thanks for uh, checking this out. Of course, uh, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast. Just search for the Step Back Day Today. And if you enjoy uh, this look at NBA history, we do a lot more of this on our Over and Back uh, NBA podcast, which you can also find in the uh, same places. You can find both podcasts uh, at the Step Back at fansided.com. So thanks for listening, and we'll be back again soon. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. 
Granger for the ones who get it done.